You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. To analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network, courtesy of Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. My name's Joseph Toscana. Yes, it's 2021 and we're back like that dog shit on your shoe. You smell you can't quite get rid of. That's us, the anarchist world this week. It doesn't matter where you go, we will follow you. I can see you going to get an intervention order against us in 2021. All right, look, it is a new year. Everybody's going to say, wow, wow, post-COVID-19. Look, I don't care one way or another. Well, I do care, but... The thing is, pandemics, they'll be there. They'll come and go. The human race will come and go. Well, no, it won't come. It'll go. All right. You wonder what anarchy is all about in 2021? It's the same as it was in 2020 and 1922 and 854 and 756 BC. Anarchy, anarchos, without rulers. What's our project? Because we've banned the word mission because it's religious connotations, what's our project? The Anarchist Project is very simple. It's to create a society without rulers. So let's get back to first principles. What gives a ruler power to determine the lives of hundreds of millions of people? Very simple. Inequalities in power and wealth. So the Anarchist struggle is the struggle to share wealth, hold wealth in common, and to devolve power, share Power. It's a simple struggle. It's been going on since time immemorial. Wherever rulers pop up, there have been movements and individuals who have promoted the idea of society without rulers. Most of them have had their heads cut off, their limbs burnt, burnt at the stake, but occasionally, occasionally we break through. And I think that in the 21st century, I describe the 21st century as the anarchist century. And as we reach the third decade of the 21st century, I'll explain why. We are faced as individuals, as communities, nations, states and planet Earth, we are faced with one major issue. And that major issue is is compartmentalised in four different parts. We have increased population growth. Let's not forget that we now have 7.2 billion people on the planet and 10 years ago we had 6 billion people on the planet. So we've got increasing population growth. Secondly, we live on a planet in the middle of a solar system, in the middle of nowhere. And the last time I looked at planet Earth, the blue planet, not that I've ever been on a spaceship to, to decide it's blue, but the last time I looked at the blue planet, what saves us from extinction is the stratosphere. And that's a small band of air around planet Earth, right? A small band of air. Think about it. 7.2 billion people on a planet with finite resources. That's the second plank, the second issue, finite resources. 7.2 billion people with finite resources and we're doing things that human beings always do. We eat, we defecate, we populate. 
And while we're doing this, CO2 emissions grow and grow and grow in that little stratosphere. And we've got finite resources. And to top it all, we have an economic system which dominates the planet, dominates the planet during the de- the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation tsunami. Yes, I've used those words again. It's only taken me five minutes in 2021 to use those four words again. Deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, which dominates the planet. And what is the mission statement? We will use mission statement for them. Project for anarchism, mission statement for capitalism. And the mission statement is to create profits irrespective of the human, social, and environmental costs. Think about it. Now, another way to think about it is what I call the Joe Toscano Climate Emergency 101 lesson. And um, this is a very simple lesson. Because if you believe, and it's about belief, that climate change doesn't exist, the climate's changed, that it's got nothing to do with human habitation, I want you to conduct a little experiment. Get a dome. Get a nice big glass dome. The bigger, the better. Okay? And in that dome, I want you to put the most beautiful, beautiful vegetation in that dome. And in that dome... I want you to put in two mice. Yes, I know you'll report me to the RSPCA, but that's the way it is. Two mice, a male and a female, hopefully. Or if you can't get a male and female, what you need is a is two mice and somebody who's got an IVF program, okay? Put them in the dome, all right? And what will the male and female... And so you've got a fixed environment like planet Earth. You've got an atmosphere, like the stratosphere in planet Earth, the atmosphere... You've got a fixed space, which is planet Earth. You've got the air. You've got fixed resources. And you've got us, the mice, the humans. What do humans do? They copulate. And what happens when humans copulate? They produce offspring. And what happens when that offspring produces offspring? They produce more offspring and more offspring. Remember that when we left the veldt in Africa... Almost, was it about 250,000 years, about 200,000 years ago? There's only about 2,000 of us. Now there's 7.2 billion. And as we populate, what do we do? We eat. We eat and eat and eat and eat. And before you know it, because it's a closed system, the atmosphere will get polluted, CO2 will increase, our finite resources will disappear, and I'll be looking at you as my next food source. So it's obvious that the climate emergency is a significant issue. That doesn't mean that everything that we do has to be curtailed because of the climate emergency. Now, obviously, there are different ways to tackle the climate emergency. And what we're seeing is the rise and rise and rise and rise and rise of green capitalism as the solution to the climate emergency. So we are seeing the same economic framework, the same institutions continue to exercise power, continue to monopolise the type of society we create. What we should be looking at is decentralisation, not centralisation, not having huge solar farms and huge wind farms. What we should be looking at, which are controlled by a minority, which then dictate the way we live, but we should be looking at decentralised forms of energy production, using individual households as mechanisms by which to provide energy. Decentralised energy production makes us, and I'm going to use the word of the 21st century, resilient. In other words, plastic. In other words, we can actually deal with the situation. So that's something we need to look at. We need to look at the way things are changing. Now, obviously, struggle is not just about economics. It's about culture. And something we attempt to do in the anarchist world this week, most likely unsuccessfully, but we attempt, we attempt to create a series of events during the year which allow people to look at significant issues that we still face as people. And the first 
date that I want you to remember is nearly upon us. That's the 20th of January. That's Wednesday, the 20th of January. I want to remind you about the Tanaminawai and Morbohina commemoration, which is held in Melbourne on the 20th of January at midday at the corner of Victoria and Franklin Street in Melbourne. At the monument which was created to honour the Indigenous freedom fighters Tanaminawai and Morbohina, two young men from Tasmania, the remnants of the Tasmanian tribes which were experienced a genocide at the hands of European colonisation who came, who were brought to Melbourne against their will to civilise the Victorian blacks. When they broke free and began a a five-person campaign against the colonisation process, which consisted of five of them, Tanaminaway, Morbohina, there were the two men and three women, Planobina, Putirana and Traganini. They escaped from Melbourne and across the Dandenong Ranges and Wilson's Promontory and also in the Mornington Peninsula they were involved in a guerrilla struggle which lasted a number of weeks. That was an armed struggle against the colonisers which led to people fleeing into Melbourne which led to the squatters deserting the lands they had stolen from, from the Bunurong people who were the traditional owners of that particular part of Victoria. And for their sins, they were captured on the 20th of November 1841, tried on on, um, Christmas Eve. And for their sins, the two men were sentenced to hang and the three women were set three because the jury ascertained that they were basically acting on the instructions of the men, which obviously was incorrect, but that was the jury's decision. The hanging judge, Judge Willis, the first Supreme Court judge in Victoria, which was then part of New South Wales, declared that they should be hung by their necks until dead. Public execution to act as an example to other Indigenous Australians about what would happen if they resist white colonisation. Now, for decades, for hundreds of, over 150 years, their struggle was forgotten. They were footnotes in Australian history. Now, the story of Tanaminamaya and Morbohina was a human story. It was a story about resistance. It was a story about love. It was a story about passion. It was a story about being a human being in an era where massacres were an everyday feature. And on the 20th of January, 1842, they were hung outside the gates of the old Melbourne jail which was being built in Melbourne. The first two human beings hung by the colonial authorities. What was their crime? Resisting white colonisations. These were the 80... There were 17 of the 82 survivors of the Tasmanian genocide who were brought to Victoria to civilise the Victorian backs. They struck back. They were executed... And for 10 years, we struggled, the Tanaminwaya Morbohina Commemoration Committee, three members of which have now are dead, my late wife, Ellen Jose, William French and Joy French. Of that original committee, we struggled for, for over a decade to ensure that the Melbourne City Council, on our behalf, erected a public monument to the frontier wars, the first public monument in a capital city in this country, to the frontier wars, the undeclared wars which led to the massacre of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of Indigenous Australians who had lived here continuously for over 60,000 years. So on that day, we not only honour the memory of Tanaminawai and Morbuhina and the memory of Patirana, Planobina and Traganini, we honour the memory of every man, woman and child that was murdered some in the most brutal fashion, poisoned, butchered, starved to death, so that the colonised could run sheep on their land. We honour all those who died in the frontier wars up to Coniston in Queensland in 1921. We honour all those. Every corner of this country and the islands around this country has a black history. On the 20th of January... 
we honour all those men, women and children who died in that struggle resisting colonisation because we need to put behind us the story that there was no resistance to European colonisation. There was a resistance on a daily basis. So I encourage you to come along on Wednesday the 20th of January at midday the corner of Victoria and Franklin Street in Melbourne to honour the memory of Tanaminawe and Morbohina, the Indigenous freedom fighters who fought tooth and nail to resist white colonisation, who paid the ultimate price. We call this the Lest We Forget Ceremony. Let's not, let's not forget... On the 25th of April every year, we honour all those men and women who died in struggles defending other people's lands. We honour them. But we forget to honour those men, women and children from these lands, this country's First Nation peoples, who paid the ultimate price because they attempted to protect their culture, their language, their lands, their families, their clans. They paid the ultimate price and we have forgotten them. We continue to forget them. So we honour them. 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock, we'll have speakers. We meet at the corner of Victoria and Franklin Street and then we have a silent walk march from the monument to the old Victoria markets which marks the site of their burial. So join us. Remember the frontier wars. Remember those who have died in the frontier wars. Remember the unfinished business that exists between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians in this country. Remember the need for a treaty or treaties. Remember the need to acknowledge the past. Remember the need for us, after 226 years of colonisation, to actually acknowledge the past and move forward. It's time the carbuncle was lanced. The next day the Unexperienced Institute organises is the 3rd of June. Now, in this country, if you receive an honour, that's right, if you receive an honour from the government of the day, well, then you, you can either receive an honour on the 26th of January, which is Invasion Day, or you can receive an honour, I think it's on the 10th of June, which is the Queen's birthday. So we have two days in which Australians who are honoured by the government of the day receive honours. How inappropriate. One, on Invasion Day. Two, on the Queen's birthday. As if we have no history in this country. Now, we celebrate the 3rd of June, Marbo Day, and we celebrate the 3rd of June for a variety of reasons. Not because native titles legislation is perfect. It hasn't got its major flaws. We celebrate the 3rd of June for a very important reason. We usually celebrate it in Federation Square in Melbourne, and obviously people across the country celebrate Marbo Day, the 3rd of June. On the 3rd of June 1992, the High Court of Australia decided for the first time since colonisation began in 1788 that First Nations people, Indigenous Australians, had rights to land in law. The concept of terra nullius was void. It was based on a, on, a, on a lie. Australia is the only country that has not negotiated a treaty with its Indigenous people. And its Indigenous people have never ceded their sovereign rights to this land. And on the 3rd of June, we celebrate the fact that this country's courts, for the first time in the history of this country, acknowledge that this country had been colonised in the most brutal fashion. Now, the native title legislation which came out of the 1992 Mabo High Court decision has its limitations. We don't argue that it has its limitations. Obviously, currently, it is structured in such a way as to allow mining corporations to 
basically steal from Indigenous Australians. It gives mining corporations extraordinary powers. It has limited... Native title rights are limited rights. That does not mean that this day should not be celebrated. This is a day which changed the course of Australian history, which put on the public agenda the need for us to resolve this issue. That's the 3rd of June. Another day we like to celebrate is the 11th of November. Why the 11th of November? On the 11th of November 1854, the Ballarat Reform League was formed. The Ballarat Reform League was the organisation behind the Eureka Rebellion. On the 11th of November 1918, the Great War ended. The war to end all war. The war fought by workers at either end of a bayonet ended. The war which was fought for the glory of God, King and Country ended. The war which led to the death of 60,000 young Australian men and another 60,000 within a decade of returning home of their war wounds ended. We celebrate Armistice Day. On the 11th of November, 1880, Ned Kelly was hung. People say, oh, he was just a common criminal. Well, Ned Kelly and his gang were not common criminals. They were supported by the surrounding population and they were supported for one very good reason. On the 3rd of December 1854, when the Eureka Massacre occurred, the police involved in the massacre, in the massacre of over 50 miners, was led off Scott 3. And these same police officers continued to be involved in policing in those very same districts. And a culture of resistance developed amongst people who had survived the Eureka Massacre. And that cultural resistance was encapsulated in the resistance by the Kelly gang. And we remember his execution on the 11th of November 1880 when thousands of people gathered outside the jail the night before the execution to protest against the execution. And we remember the 11th of, 11th of uh, November 1775 when the legally elected Whitlam led Labor government, the most reformist government in this country's history, was removed from office by the Governor-General, not by the Australian people, the Governor-General. Let's not forget that in four years, this government passed more reformist legislation than has been passed since 1901 and 2020. Reformist legislation which led to the introduction of Medicare, a universal health care system. Reformist legislation which led to no-fault reform Divorce, reformist legislation which led to the development of community radio stations across this country. The very community radio station I'm broadcasting from, the very community radio stations I'm broadcasting to, courtesy of the Community Radio Network, were created as a result of the Whitlam Labor government's desire to free itself of the domination of the daily agenda by the Murdoch media. We are those survivors. And obviously another day we celebrate is the 3rd of December, Eureka Day. So there are events, and during the year we'll be holding uh, dinners and lunches for our listeners and supporters. During the year we'll be holding events to highlight the activities of public interest before corporate interests. So 2021 is a new year, but the struggles are the same. The struggles are no different in 2021 than they were in 1988 or 1974 or 1901. The struggles are the same. And they're based around the idea that we should be a united people. For far too long, we have accepted the premise that the other is the problem. That somebody of a different religion, who comes from a different background, who's an immigrant, a refugee, an asylum seeker, who has a different religious belief or a different coloured skin, who is part of the First Nations, that they are the problem. They are the problem. So the divide and rule mentality 
which has been part and parcel of political, economic, cultural and social life in this country, needs to be addressed. We are oppressed. But we're not oppressed by people of a different religious belief or no religious belief, of a different gender orientation. We're not oppressed by them. We're not oppressed by people who come from different uh, backgrounds or speak different uh, languages. We're not oppressed by them. We have much more in common than we think. The lesson of the Eureka Rebellion is that you had people of all religious backgrounds, religious faiths, faiths, uh, of economic backgrounds, of different nationalities, spoke different languages, came together. And they came together to oppose those who imposed their will on them. In 2021, we've forgotten the lessons of 1854. We are too busy fighting amongst ourselves and supporting political parties and political movements which highlight the divisions which exist in this country, which magnify those divisions, which ensure that Australian is pitted against Australian. And that's the tragedy. That's the tragedy. It's a huge tragedy because we have one common oppressor. And that oppressor is very simple. And that oppression is very simple to define. Even I can define it. If I can define it, maybe... You can define it. It's very simple. We are oppressed by two groups in our society. One, the 1% that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, which continue to dominate the parliamentary agenda. And what do I mean by dominate the parliamentary agenda? They are the ones who put pressure on our political representatives in order to listen to them, not to us. That's why one in six children continue to live in poverty in Australia in 2021. That's why we have 35% of people living on, you know, on social security benefits in this country. That's why we don't have a universal basic income in an, in an age of increasing unemployment and work insecurity. That's the reason. That's why... On every social indicator, every economic indicator, every political indicator, the gap between the haves and have-nots has increased exponentially every year in this country. That's why people are paying a million dollars for a free bedroom home in a nondescript suburb in a capital city in this country. Because housing is now a commodity. It's nothing to do about you know, shelter. That's why we have homelessness. That's the problem. And at the same time, the problem is magnified by the fact that 8% of Australians have now joined the investment class. They have the same ideological position, not all of them, but a majority of them have the same ideological position as that 1%. Because they've got disposable income, they've been able to use this country's investment-friendly laws like franking credits, negative gearing, in order to augment their income. Because in a capitalist society, a society based on private investment for private profit, the only thing that matters at the end of the day is disposable income. If you've got income after all your bills are met, you're going to have a good time. If you haven't, bad luck. So let's look at where our oppression lies. Because ultimately, we live on the richest country on planet Earth. Forget about the United States of America. Forget about Switzerland. Forget about Liechtenstein, which has got a you know greater domestic product than we have. Forget about that. We live on a resource-rich continent. There are 25 million of us on this resource-rich continent. Think about that. 25 million on a resource-rich continent. We don't live in some little Pacific islands about to be inundated by increasing um, oceans, depths. We don't live in there. We live in a, on a continent. Fine. A lot of the continent may be dry, but 25 million people on a, the fertile coast that we live on is insignificant. We should not have one child in six living in poverty in this country. It should not happen. We should not have homelessness in this country. 
We don't need to have homelessness in this country. But this country has been destroyed and it's been destroyed by legislation which enriches those that are rich at the expense of the rest of the community. We have legislation in this country which supports private medicine. That's taxpayers' money, supports the um, private health insurance industry up to $5 billion a year. We have legislation in this country which supports private schools, religious-based private schools. Could you imagine if we at the Anarchism Institute had been involved in the same disgusting, despicable, unspeakable behaviour the Roman Catholic Church and many other church groups in our society have been involved in over decades? Do you think we would still be receiving, we would be receiving billions of dollars of government money in order to run our institutions? I've got nothing against private hospitals. I've got nothing against private uh, schools. But I do draw the line at using taxpayers' money to support them. Then we have the ridiculous situation in this society that we are using more and more and more and more taxpayers' money, which could be used to support a significant public health system, which could be used to support a significant education system, but is now given away to the corporate sector to ensure they continue to provide essential services which were provided by privatised public institutions. Fancy giving $1 billion as a gift to the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, one of the most richest private companies on this planet, whose shares are valued at over $300 each. Fancy giving them $1 billion so that we can guarantee that this country will have enough serum products and vaccines for the next decades. Fancy giving money to Alcoa to ensure it continues to produce. Fancy giving tax exemptions, fuel subsidies, to mining corporations which are making billions of dollars and paying peppercorn rent and peppercorn taxes. Fancy giving them cash grants. Fancy giving fuel refineries, which are owned by some of the richest and largest corporations on the planet, monies that they will continue to refined petroleum in this country. It's extraordinary what we are doing in 2021. This is the first week. This is the beginning. You can allow this to occur or you can do something about it. Now, I know a lot of people say to me, look, Joe, look, it's just impossible. The corporations are too big. Government's too powerful. It has too much powers. I prefer to grow my vegetables. Well, I grow my vegetables and they're also involved in resistance. You can do both. You can walk and chew gum. Other people say, oh, I'm too old. Well, I'm old and I'm still involved. And if your health is good, you're up to it. If your health isn't good, you may have disposable income which you can use to assist people who are involved in activism. Then I've got other people who say to me, well, Joe, I haven't got any time. And I say, why? Well, I'm on the internet all day. I've got to do my Facebook page. I've got to do my YouTube channel. I've got to talk to people on the other side of the world. I've got to, I've got all these projects I've got to support. I've got to click, you know, it takes a long time to click a button to support them. And I say, well, have you ever thought of moving from the virtual to the real world? Really? Is there a real world out there? Of course there's a real world. And that's the key. See, the key is engagement. If you look at every revolt, every reform, Every revolution that's occurred in the world, it's been about public engagement, whether it's 2021, whether it's 64 BC. It's about public engagement. It's about engagement. See, we've got a disease in this country. It's called parliamentarism, you know, parliament. And the disease is that we are schooled to believe that our duty as a citizen, is to vote every three to four years. Because it's a duty because it's compulsory. It's our duty. And if we do our duty every three to four years, all we need to do is sit back and watch TV and the big bash and the cricket and the football and the surfing competition and the 
soccer competition or the football competition and Aussie rules competition, you know, and the uh, there's lots lots of things out there you can watch. We just sit back and watch and we wait for the next election. And if we don't like what's happened, we then vote them out and bring a new crew in. Well, it's not that easy. It is not that easy. Decisions are made constantly by Parliament. That's their role. But our role as citizens and residents is to be engaged, is to be active in between those parliamentary elections. And until we understand that as a people, we will continue to have legislation passed which removes rights and liberties you think you enjoy. I know we like to think of ourselves as a civilised nation, that we do the right thing. Well, look at the way we've treated asylum seekers and refugees in this country over the last decade. Look at the way we continue to deny how colonisation began in this country. Look at all the excuses we make to acknowledge the past and move towards negotiating a treaty or treaties with this country's First Nations people. Look at how we have allowed governments to pass legislation which allows them to do the most extraordinary things, things that the Chinese Communist Party and and the uh, North Korean leader would be jealous of, legislation they'd be jealous of. I mean, we're always happy to talk about the freedoms of everybody else, but never the freedoms of our own citizens. So think about it. Now, I know this is a recurring theme on the anarchist world this week, but see, themes don't change. It's the same story. The year changes. Now, it's 2021. That's on a Judeo-Christian calendar. Obviously, it's 5,000 and something on the on the Jewish calendar, about 1,500 on the Muslim calendar, and I think it's about 5,000 on the Hindu calendar. I mean, all these calendars do is message the, measure the, message, the passage of time. Now, I know we live in a very, very, very sophisticated technological world. Even I have, have to acknowledge that. You know, we've got the internet, we've got the World Wide Web, we've got Twitter, we've got Instagram, we've got YouTube, you name it, we've got it. We've got Zoom, courtesy of uh, COVID-19, and it goes on and on. But the reality is, the issues are the same. Whether it was 64 BC... Whether it's two hundred and whether it's twenty twenty one, whether it was fourteen sixty four, the issues are the same. Human beings don't change as far as the issues that concern us, and the issues revolve around real human needs, and those needs include basic things like shelter, food security, social interaction. Have you ever wondered why in 2021 in Australia we have so much anxiety and mental health issues where it's a major concern that your chances of dying between the age of 15 and 40 is more likely due to suicide than a road traffic accident. Think about it. That's huge. We have communities, especially in the aged care sector, drugged out of their minds in order to control behaviour in these institutions which are based on private profit. Where we have over 15% of the population taking some type of anti anxiety, depressive medication. What we've seen is the medicalization over the decades of human behaviour. And this has been compounded by the increasing insecurity that people feel. Because, see, the, the beauty of living in a capitalist society, private investment for private profit, is you are either born rich and then you can, you know, suck off your parents, not worry about where income comes. You know, this is where the word gentleman and lady comes from. It comes from the 18th century where a gentleman and a lady were people who didn't need to dirty their hands in order to survive, while the rest of us were workers and rednecks. 
you know, they were gentlemen and ladies because they didn't need to dirty their hands. Today, we have a new gentleman and lady class. It's called the investment class. People who don't need to work because they've got disposable income in order to survive. Now, obviously, if you're in that particular group, life's good. It's very good. Excellent. Especially in the 1%. But everybody else, irrespective of whether you're on Social Security benefits or whether you're working for a wage, has got issues. And those issues revolve around insecurity. You want to destroy a human being's life, you create an environment where insecurity is the major psychological driver. Whether insecurity as far as security is concerned, insecurity as far as a roof over your head is concerned, insecurity as far as your position in society is concerned. And what we've created and what we are creating is a society which is based on insecurity, whether it's work insecurity, whether it's in the insecurity of being on a social security benefit and having to jump through so many hoops until you fall through one? Is it the insecurity of having been part of the the uh, digital, you like that, the digital economy, the 19th century economy, which is now dominating life in this country where everybody is an individual contractor? Is it the insecurity of being a temporary worker in this country, 1.7 million people, where you know that if you don't do what the employer tells you, all they've got to do is pick up a phone or send an email to immigration and you find yourself kicked out of the country. So if they decide to pay you $10 an hour, you take it, or if you complain, bad luck. Or the insecurity of going to university, doing all that hard work of going to university and getting a degree and finding that when you get that degree, that the best job you can land is waiting at a table for $16 an hour or $20 an hour if you're lucky, if you're not paid under the table at $10 an hour. Or the insecurity of picking fruit and then finding you haven't got any work and then you've got to wait six weeks before you get onto Centrelink if you're lucky. Or the insecurity of receiving an inadequate public education because half of the resources that should go into public education are pumped into the private sector. Or the insecurity of waiting on a public housing list for accommodation which never comes, especially in the state of Victoria, which is now privatising what's left of the public health sector. Or the insecurity of being on a public waiting list at a hospital, waiting for your hip to be replaced when you're in chronic pain and you're waiting for two or three years to have that operation. Or the insecurity of knowing that as you get older, you're going to find yourself in some privatised aged care facility whose major uh, project is to extract every last dollar out of your pocket before you die. Or the insecurity of being a self-funded retiree and pushed onto the stock market because of low interest rates and seeing your future dissipate and fall through your fingers over a 24-hour period. So insecurity is the name of the game in the 2021. It is the name of the game. Insecurity. Social insecurity, economic insecurity, And the list goes on and on. So no wonder there are so many mental health issues in our community. No wonder there are so many mental health issues among young people in our community. No wonder suicide becomes an option for a growing number of people in our community, irrespective of what we do to prevent it. Insecurity is the name of the game and that's what you need to create in order to keep a capitalist community functioning. You need to use the stick to keep people involved in a productive process which does not look after their human needs. You need to create artificial needs. You need to create circuses, 
not in terms of real circuses, but virtual circuses. You need to have them hooked onto some sporting fixture to fill that void in their life, especially in a period where religious institutions, to a significant degree, have lost credibility after the Royal Commission into Childhood Sexual Abuse in this country. For decades, people complained. For decades, nobody listened. So, insecurity. 2021 is all about insecurity. Now, the anarchist world this week is about creating security. And it's about creating security not by begging and beseeching the state to pass legislation. It's not about begging and beseeching the state, you know, to be fair. It's about creating a momentum for change, a change which is based on the devolution, the sharing of power and the sharing of wealth. Because as we move through the 21st century, and I will not obviously be here at the end of the 21st century, and obviously many of our listeners will not be here at the end of the 21st century, but as we take those steps forward, as we face the challenges we face, the challenges of increasing risks of pandemics, the challenge of a climate emergency, the challenge of population growth, the challenge, the challenges which are based by the fact of artificial intelligence. We don't need everybody to be part of the wage system in order for society to function. As we face all these challenges, we are faced with increasing insecurity. And the anarchist struggle is the struggle to provide a secure environment to provide not just personal security but economic security social security that's what this is about because it's insecurity which is the byproduct of rampant capitalism security is the byproduct of society based on the creation of egalitarian institutions based on the devolution of power and the sharing of wealth that's why the introduction of a universal basic income is at the heart of our program. That's why the rush to organise a treaty between the first Australians and the rest of us is so important. That's why it's so important to create a third tier in the Australian economy, to expand from a private sector and a public sector into a cooperative and collectivist sector. There are so many issues which are important currently and they'll continue to be important irrespective of what you and I do because we are on a pathway and that pathway may look luxurious when we start on that journey. We may think that the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, revolution is the way forward. But as we move down that pathway, as we move down that pathway and we see those virgin forests disappear and we move from, we move from a forest environment to the savannah to the desert then we realise there's no way back. And we don't want to go down that path to the desert where there's no way back. But we need to do think about reform now. And as I keep saying, ultimately, it's not about our political representatives. It's not about the corporate sector. They have taken advantage of the situation. We, ultimately, it's our responsibility individually and as a community. And nothing has changed in 2021. Ultimately, it is our responsibility because we have allowed this situation to occur. Irrespective of the reasons we've allowed this situation to occur, whether it's fear, whether it's insecurity, whether it's an ideological belief or religious belief, we have allowed this situation to occur where a small fraction of the population dominates every facet of our existence. We've created a political situation through parliamentary democracy where we have allowed that 1% that dominates 
activity in this country to dominate the parliamentary agenda, to create situations where we have fuel insecurity, to create situations where we need to go into fracking to produce gas, although we're the second biggest gas exporter in the world because we've signed contracts with private corporations which allow all this gas to be exported and none to be left for Australian industry. And it's legislation after legislation. We've allowed governments to pass legislation which restricts our fundamental rights and liberties we're born with because we have no constitutional protections in this country. We have allowed this to occur. This is part and parcel of the Australian story. It is our story. People come into this country to live the dream. They come into this country as migrants, and let's not forget that over 50% of people in this country are either migrants or children of migrants. And I'm a child of migrant parents, and they came to this country to better their lives. And they believe in the Australian dream, the quarter-acre block, security, education. And what we've seen in 2021 is the destruction of this dream through the creation of institutions, the passage of laws which give those in power the authority and the power to impose their will on everybody else. Now, we can't say we live in a dictatorship. Currently, we supposedly live in a parliamentary democracy, and you do have choices every three to four years. And I've just gone through the local council elections, and I've been shocked by the type of people that have been elected as councillors in the state of Victoria. Not all, but a significant majority. And it's the same people, those who exercise power, the the larger registered political parties, the same people, same policies, same ideas. And ultimately, it's our fault. Ultimately, it's our fault because we refuse to participate. And as I keep saying on the Anarchist World this week, it's engagement in between elections which determines policies, which determines what happens. It's not about leaving it just to the virtual world. I mean, the virtual world changes from minute to minute to minute. Every day there's a new issue. Every day there's something different. But nothing ever is resolved. So ultimately, it's up to you. It's not up to me. I do the best I can. Obviously, it's not enough. If it was enough, we'd have enough members for public interest before corporate interest to be registered as a federal political party. We don't. Obviously, people don't feel the same need or desire for change. But ultimately, you either look inwards and blame yourself or your friends or your neighbours or your family for the situation. You try to find a scapegoat and you think, well, if we got rid of them, wouldn't have any problems. And I see more and more of this thinking in Australia every day. Or we think, well... Ultimately, we can join together. Ultimately, we can form organisations, institutions to challenge the dominant organisations, institutions. And as I keep saying on the Anarchist World this week, and I'll continue during 2021, you can be a member of two tribes. The Gunner tribe. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I know a lot of gunners, a lot of people ring me, a lot of people email me. A lot of smaller number send letters these days, and they're going to do this and going to do that, but at the end of the day, nothing gets done. Or you can be that other tribe, bigger than the gunner tribe. They don't even have to gunner. They don't even pretend they're gunner. Somebody should do something about that. Well, maybe if you're concerned of growing inequality, if you're concerned about mental health issues, growing insecurity, maybe. You should do something about that. Ultimately, what I say to you is, it's not about anybody else because we are the people we've been waiting for. If you leave it to your political representatives, your religious leaders, your cultural icons, the people on the net 
you know, who your facilitators will, nothing will change because they talk the same language, the language of inequality. We are the people we've been waiting for. We are the ones who will drive change. Nobody else will drive change. 2021 is no different to 2020, 1999, 899, 99 BC. It's those people who want change, who are willing to get involved in that struggle for change in various ways, are those that determine the future. They're those that will address the climate emergency. That is the issue that we need to face, that ultimately it is our responsibility. Obviously there's going to be humps in the way. Obviously the state and the status quo is going to use its power to devalue, marginalise, criminalise our activities. Ultimately it's only when we are a force to be dealt with that the state will take us seriously and the corporate sector will take us seriously. Hopefully, 2021 will be that year. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3CR. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. If you wish to write to me, and we do get letters, not many, but we do get them, you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com or you can go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org. Want to join public interest before corporate interest? Go to the website, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Download, download the application from pibci.net. Not computer literate, not interested in computers, can't stand computers? Well, no excuse. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, and I'll send you out application forms. Or you can email me at... Uh, info at pipsy.net or you can leave messages on 0439 395 489. Welcome to 2021. This is a year which, like every other year, will determine the fate of the planet. Not just our fate, but the fate of the planet. Because ultimately, change comes when enough people are willing to promote and push and act to create change. Thank you to all those listeners in 2021. Now remember the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Thank you for the Community Radio Network for continuing to broadcast the Anarchist World this week across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Without the Community Radio without the Community radio sounds funny community and there is a community we would be much lesser people and let's not forget the origins of community radio came from the Whitlam Labor government's attempts to democratize ideas in this country to break down the stranglehold that the Murdoch media had on ideas and if you think social media doesn't have a stranglehold think again listen in to the anarchist world this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network and Studios 3CR in Melbourne. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.